You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We're going to go to Galatians chapter 2 tonight. You'll take the Word of God and turn there. We're excited about looking there in the Scripture tonight. And uh, yes, I tell you, as I said before, my heart is just completely full of being able to be here tonight. I I tell folks uh, in California that North Carolina is the Holy Land, okay? That's how they understand, and uh, that's how... Deep, that's how deep the roots go with me. Uh, I don't see it as the land that flows with milk and honey, but with sweet tea, okay? And, uh, and uh, mason jars to drink out of, and a uh, little lemon there, and that kind of thing, and bojangles to eat at, and all this kind of stuff. We don't have these wonderful places on the West Coast, but uh, an Eastern North Carolina barbecue, I cannot... <laughs> so, uh, my... Uh, my mother's oldest brother, every year for Christmas, our get-together was to have a pig picking. And uh, he barbecued a pig every year. That's my upbringing, and I'm not far from it in heart. Yes, can I get a witness back there? I see that. <laughs> okay. So uh, I'm among friends and family tonight, and I'm thankful for that. Literally, I have some family here. I'm so thankful that my wife's Aunt and Uncle, Uncle RJ and Aunt Brenda and Aunt Janice are with us tonight. They're just down the road in Littleton near Lake Gaston. And uh, while we were in Raleigh, uh, probably the first 10 years of our marriage, we vacationed on Lake Gaston uh, through their gracious hospitality and generosity and uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. And so again, uh, I know I'm among friends and I thank God for what He's doing here at Victory Baptist. We're praying for more of the same and for God to give the increase. So thankful to hear uh, the bus is running again this morning and uh, for what God has done uh, with those dear families and children that you're bringing in. And it just warms my heart. We are of like mind, and I want you to know that. And again, I thank your pastor. I've sensed a kindred spirit with him and the times we've been able to be together and around one another and a wonderful friendship. And so uh, our prayers, as, as we ask for your prayers for us, our prayers are with you that you'll continue to reach your Jerusalem for the cause of Christ and uh, bloom right where God has planted you. And I know God will continue to do a wonderful work. I am thankful for our young people. And uh, I've often told people, you know, you get to know people really, really well in two ways. Number one, play a game with them sometime, okay? For guys, that means play golf. If you really want to know another guy, you'll get to know his character really well by playing golf with him. But then the other way is by traveling with somebody, okay? You'll get to know somebody on another level by traveling with them. And I'm getting to know these young people, and they're the real deal. And uh, we're not just up here putting on a show, but they love the Lord, and they've sold out to to be uh, labor in the Lord's harvest. And I'm thankful that I can travel 
travel with them. Do pray for them as they continue to grow and develop and train there at West Coast for God's honor and glory. Well, we're in Galatians chapter 2, and I could probably visit with you all evening, uh, but we'll get to the Scripture tonight because that's why we have gathered to hear from God and from His Word, and that's where we draw our strength, and that's why we should gather as believers at a local church and uh, so we want to look at the scripture tonight. Just before we do, uh, let me share this with you. It's been almost 50 years ago now that an athlete burst on the scene, was doing some things kind of in a very unprecedented way. And uh, this athlete was not a two-legged athlete, but it was a four-legged athlete. All right. How many of you remember the name Secretariat? Anybody remember Secretariat? All right, more than what I really thought would be. Secretariat was an amazing racehorse, a thoroughbred. And back in the early 70s, he started setting records, just doing amazing things. And then to top it all off, he won the Triple Crown. Okay, that's been done a few times, but very few times. And Secretariat did it in winning uh, the Belmont Stakes and the Preakness and also the Kentucky Derby. Well, he won the Kentucky Derby by about 31 lengths, okay? And horse racing, uh, if you want to kind of uh, compare that, that'd be like winning the Daytona 500 by about two laps, okay? It's just unheard of. Uh, you can compare it to all kinds of things, but this was just an amazing horse. And as it went throughout its career, winning other races and even siring other horses, those other horses also had uh, many wins, but they never did uh, culminate and eclipse uh, all the things that Secretariat did. Well, uh, this horse, you say, what made it so special? Uh, this horse literally came from some obscure farm it didn't come from just a great line of other horses of which, you know, the breeding and all the things that they try to do to, to create these championship horses didn't come from anything like that. But when a secretariat finally passed, they decided to do an autopsy or an all-horsey on this. I don't know what you would call it, but they did an autopsy on this horse. And in doing so, they found something very interesting and very, very rare. They found that this particular horse, the, the, uh, uh, completely healthy, by the way, they found that this horse had a heart that was twice the size of a normal horse heart. Okay, Still healthy. It was a healthy heart. There was nothing abnormal about it in the fact that it was two times the size of a normal heart. So it's pumping twice the amount of blood. It's sending twice the amount of oxygen to all those organs and to all those muscles, allowing it on many fronts to operate twice as better. For Secretariat, it was a matter of his heart that enabled him to do so many things. As we look in the Scripture tonight, we're going to see the heart of an amazing believer. And the heart of this believer and the heart of the matter, we want to transfer to our own hearts and minds. Look in Galatians 2, familiar passage of Scripture. The Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says in verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, 
I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Love this verse, love this passage of Scripture, and I simply want to share this thought tonight of not I, but Christ. Not I, but Christ. Say those words with me. Ready? Begin. Not I, but Christ. May we all get to the place in the life that God's given us to live that we can say, hey, not John Williams, Christ that lives in me is what I want to be seen. Hey, not so much Victory Baptist Church, but that Christ is lifted up so high for all the world to be drawn to Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer, then we'll get into several thoughts from God's Word. Lord Jesus, we thank you the privilege of looking at your Word tonight. And here in this precious verse, this precious passage, I pray, God, that you'll speak through me. And again, that this preacher will not be seen. But Lord, we will lift high Christ. Lord, I pray now that you will bless as we dive into this one verse. And may you use it for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Not I, but Christ. Again, the heart that beat within the Apostle Paul, again through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, I, in this life I be given, want Christ to live in me. I want us to notice three quick things about it and that God may develop this heart within each and every one of us. First of all, let's notice the cross. Let's notice the cross. Our young people have sang tonight about the cross. And we've sang about the power of God that we need to fall fresh once more. Even in this service tonight, will we find that power in the cross? What did the apostles say in the first three words of verse 20, chapter 2? Read those first three words with me. Ready? Begin. I am crucified. Read them one more time. I am crucified. How could he re reference the crucifixion of any kind? Because obviously he knew of Jesus and his crucifixion and the cross that he bore for you and for me. Let's notice just a few things about the crucifixion and about this cross. First of all, let's notice the power of the cross. You see, Paul did not see the crucifixion as an example of weakness. He saw it as an example of what could be his greatest strength. Think about it with me. When Jesus Christ was crucified, all those around saw it as being a weakness in his life. What did they do? They put up above the cross, King of the Jews mocking him. They put it in three different languages. The King of the Jews. Why? They were being sarcastic. They were saying unto him, Hey, you could not even save yourself, much less your people, yet you claim to be King of the Jews. They saw this as a point of the lowest weakness in the life of Jesus Christ. But what did Paul say? Paul said here in verse 20, I am crucified. He goes on to say, and I want to get ahead of myself, but he goes on to say, I am crucified with Christ. He was making the correlation there that as we die to self, as Jesus died for us in our sins, there's great power in that. Not only is there great power, but there's also a wonderful partnership. Notice it with me. Verse 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. 
There's the partnership with Christ. Now that one little preposition, the word with, maybe you've never taken much time to, to put in, uh, 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 much credence to that word, but let's think about it. As I think about my family right now, being back in California, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to be with them. I'd love to be in their presence. I'd love for, for, for them to be in my presence. There's something about with. You know, when I am with my wife, Dina, and we're able to walk and hold hands, mmm, there's something special about that. I love being with my wife. I love being with my children. I have three daughters. I have Hannah, Abigail, and Nancy Grace, and I have a son, John Michael. Pray for the Williams family. I have three teenage daughters in my household right now, okay? 19, 16, and 13. I'm telling you, Brother Covenant, it is on in the Williams household, all right? I'm fighting the boys off left and right. No, I'm just kidding. And, but, but, but I love being with. Well, what does the scripture say here? It says, I am crucified with Christ. You know, who we're with makes all the difference in life. Who we're with. And the scripture says, be with Christ. Don't ever separate yourself from Christ. See your identity in the cross of Christ. And Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. You know, I think back just a few months ago, before all the things struck with COVID, we took our college group uh, down to a basketball game in L.A. We went to a Clippers game. And while we were down there, we had someone to help us in a special way go down into uh, the arena and kind of go behind the scenes and be right down there where the basketball teams would come out and walk right past us. And we were able to high five and fist bump uh, those guys and the coaches and different things. And I'm telling you, that would have never happened if John Williams had just been by himself showing up at the Clippers basketball game. You know how I was able to go down and be able to do something special in that way? It was who I was with. I was with somebody who worked there who had a special key to a special door that led down a special stairwell to a special place where the, the, the players would walk because I was with. Believers, let's be with Christ with Him, with Him, and have the power of the cross upon our lives and enjoy this partnership. Made me think just a, a few months ago, uh, there at our church, we were privileged to have uh, General John Tykert. He was a part of our church membership. Uh, we have Edwards Air Force Base that's just about 30 minutes away from our church. And he was uh, the general who would oversee that entire base. It's the second largest base in the United States. And General Tykert was in my Sunday school class. And I was so thankful for that. And I got to know him and, and, uh, and, and understand a little bit about his life and his leadership. It's a true privilege. Well, one day he called me and he said, hey, I'd love for you to bring your family out to the base. I thought, okay, good. I'd never really been out to Edwards much. And, uh, and so uh, we pulled up there to the front gate. And you know what? They won't just let anybody in Edwards Air Force Base, okay? Now, I had on my coat and tie, and I was looking sharp, but my coat and tie did not get me into Edwards Air Force that base. Guess who met us at the gate? The general, all right? And it was kind of funny. He got in the vehicle. We got in the vehicle with him, and we got ready to pull up to the gate, and he rolled down the window, 
and uh, the officer there came up to the window, and you know, they're all business-like military air force, and he had his gun on his side, and he looked at our car, and he's kind of, you know, gruff with his face there and just kind of surveying the situation because he's security and that kind of thing, and the window comes down, and there's the general, all right? His demeanor immediately changed. He was like, yes, sir, okay, right this way, that kind of thing. I'm telling you, we were with the general, and that got our interest. Hey, not only that, he said, I got somewhere that I want to take you. So he took us out to the flight line. We were able to go out there where those jets were taken off. Literally, they would pull right past our vehicle in those jets. The pilots were inside and they were going. They were waving at us, okay? Again, you know, whatever accolades I have in life, which are very few, would have not gotten me on the flight line at Edwards Air Force Base had I not been with the general. Well, listen to me, folks. We have one so much greater than any general, so much greater than anybody that could get you into the Clippers basketball game. The scripture says, I am crucified with Christ. I'm a believer to be always connected with my Lord and Savior. That's the path that we need to face the challenges in life. That's the partnership we need. But not only do we see the power in the cross, the partnership in the cross, but we also see the pardon in the cross. Look at it there. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Now notice the punctuation there that's been inserted for us, a little colon. That means there's a good thought that's about to follow. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Even though Jesus Christ died for your sins and died for mine, to put to death the flesh and the sin and hell that each one of us should have bore upon our own bodies. Nevertheless, I live. Not only do I get to live physically for the Lord Jesus, but I can live spiritually for all eternity. There's a great pardon as a result of the cross. So not only do we have the cross, but let's notice also tonight very quickly, let's notice the contrast. The contrast. We've read the first two portions there. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Now here comes the contrast. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Christ is to live in me, uh, church. And God, through His power and the Holy Spirit, can do that each and every day. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now let's think about who we are, who I am. I'm incomplete. I'm undone. I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I've been sentenced to death. I bring nothing to the table in my relationship with Jesus Christ. But who is Christ? He's the completer. He's the Savior. He's the sinless one. He's the Redeemer. He's the Justifier. He's all I'll ever need. That's Jesus. That's my Savior. And even though I live, it's to be not I, but Christ that lives in me. So I have to ask myself, does Christ really live through me? The Apostle Paul also said to another church, the church at Philippi, he said in Philippians 1 and verse 22, For to me to live is Christ. For to me to live is Christ. How can I live a life daily that is not I but Christ? Well, I believe I need to have the mind of Christ. I need to have the Word of Christ dwelling in me. I need to have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in me. 
All these things will help me to let Christ shine through my life to a lost and dying world. I'm telling you, there's only so much we can do to help change a life. But Christ can every single time. That's why those buses need to continue to roll. That's why those Sunday school classes need to continue to function. That's why the choir needs to continue to sing the praises of God so that it can be not I, but Christ. We've seen the cross. We've seen the contrast. Now let's see the commitment. He says there in the next part of verse 20, And the life which I now live in the flesh. Listen to the resolve there that he has. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want you to notice with me, uh, I drew your attention uh, in the first part of the verse to the preposition with. Notice the other prepositions there uh, as we go throughout this verse. He says, but Christ liveth in me. He says, I live by the faith. He also says, and, and gave himself for me. You see, I am just simply to be the conduit that Christ lives in and through. That's what God asked of me. And that is the commitment that the Apostle Paul was making to his Lord and Savior. What was specifically his commitment that he outlines for us in Scripture? First of all, he says, I live by the faith. The first commitment was for him to live a life that was faithful. I ask us tonight, are we living a life that is faithful to Jesus Christ? Maybe in some way, shape, or form, uh, uh, our faith has been rattled by COVID. Maybe our faith has been rattled by elections and political things going on. Maybe our faith has been rattled by something that's going on at our job or within our homes and our families. But our job is to live a life filled with faith of the Savior, the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. We won't develop the entire passage of Scripture, but there is a wonderful chapter about faith in Jeremiah 32. We won't turn there, but as you consider the life of Jeremiah and that all the people of Israel that he was preaching to in that day, he was telling them they were going to be removed from their homeland. They were going to be taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar and removed from Israel. And in the process of what was going on, God asked something very unique of Jeremiah. God asked Jeremiah, of all things, to buy a piece of land. Now think about that. They're about to be removed. They're about to be exiled. Why in the world would God want Jeremiah to buy a piece of land? God was trying to teach Jeremiah this principle of faith. Because God told Jeremiah that the people at some point in time are going to be reconciled to their homeland. And guess what, Jeremiah? That piece of land is going to be waiting for you when you get back. But what are you going to have to do, Jeremiah? You're going to have to buy it in faith. I want to encourage us tonight, folks. Let's buy the field. Let's buy the field. Let's, let's live a life of faith and trust God and take Him at His word. We can live a life of faith. And that is exactly how we can commit our lives to Christ. Not only commit by a life of faith, but also commit to a life of love. Look what he says. He says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. We find out in Scripture that we can only love Him because He first loved us. 
But as He loved us and poured His love into us, we can love others. We can show others Christ. So we can live by His love, and then we can also learn to live by His sacrifice. He says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and then gave Himself for me. The Christian life is to be a life of faith. It's to be a life of love. But the one that we oftentimes like to leave off is this life of sacrifice. Every single one of us like the comforts of this world. We like the conveniences of this world. But sometimes God says, you know what? There are certain things that you just need to put to the side so that you can love me and live for me and live a life of sacrifice. You know, uh, the scripture says, and one verse it says, uh, that we can enjoy the fellowship of his sufferings. Or his sufferings. His sufferings were his sacrifice for you and for me. You see, Jesus has done all those things that he would ask of us in the first place. So as we look to him tonight as the author and finisher of our faith, may it be said of us, not I. Not I, but Christ. Let's look at that entire verse one more time as we close. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Believers, everyone look right here as we close. I want to just challenge you tonight. Just want to challenge you. As you continue to reach Roanoke Rapids and the surrounding area for the cause of Christ, don't do it in your own spirit. Don't do it in your own flesh. Your own flesh will fail you. But every time if we say, not I, but Christ, we'll get right back on that bus. We'll get right back in the choir. We'll sit right back in our pew each and every week. We'll amen one more time. Our pastor, as he preaches God's word. Why? When it's not I, but Christ. I tell you, there are so many times and have been in my brief life of what I feel like. You know, I just had my birthday on Friday. Uh, I just kind of threw that out there in case anybody, you know, wanted to be a blessing in any way. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But I'm still a young man, okay? And, 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 and as I think about life, there's been so many times, even in my short life, where it was, it was done in my flesh. The work of the Lord was done in my own flesh. And you know what? There are some times where I can take it just as far as I can, but every time I do, it just falls short. It falls flat. What do we need to be? We need to be like the Apostle Paul says, not I, but Christ. That'll get us one more day. That'll give us a little more honey for the journey. God will use us and He'll use your life to make a difference in the life of someone else. Would you bow your heads for prayer, please? Thank you so much for listening to the preaching of the Word of God tonight. I'm so thankful for this church and your pastor and all that's being done. And all I wanted to do is encourage you tonight, no matter where you are in your Christian walk, to let it be not I, but Christ. May that be our prayer. I'm going to pray and then I'll ask your pastor just to continue as he would see fit. Lord Jesus, you challenge my heart once again as I study Galatians 2 and verse 20. I thank you that you left it there for us to chew on these many hundreds of thousands of years later after it was written. And today, God, I want to renew my heart and mind that, that it'll be not I, but that it'll be Christ living in me. Take your word and do only what you can do with it. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. 
Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.